quick. You gotta see me drive. The heat. Yes! The power. You want to control something that's out of control? Absolutely. The thrill that lasts long after the ride. Tom Cruise, Days of Thunder, rated PG-13. Starts Wednesday, June 27th at theaters everywhere. Welcome back to the show. That was a trailer for... What are we talking about today, Taylor? Days of Thunder, but thanks for introducing me first. (laughs) Days of Thunder, I am your host, Angela Yoshiko. You are listening to Old Millennials. That's us. Remember movies? I am your host, and here with my co-host, snarky as ever, Tyler Wilson. So, girl. For some reason, Days of Thunder, I can't get this title in my head. <laughs> I like, it will not stick. I cannot get it in there. Well, I mean, I don't really... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know we're going to go ahead and expose a truth right now. Neither of us are, like, big racing people, so maybe there's some significance to the title in related to, like, stock car racing. I don't know what that is, other than, like, they they rumble like thunder. I know about Lightning McQueen, <laughs> you know, and he brings the lightning, and then when he's fighting Chick Hicks in the Cars movies, he's he brings the thunder, and he goes, ka-chigga, chigga but uh, that's a whole different uh, franchise. <laughs> You're just saying nothing now. I was looking up to see if Days of Thunder was a thing. This is something that you do prior to this tournament episode. Shut up! <laughs> Okay, so before we talk about Days of Thunder, right. we're going to entertain our listeners with what we've been watching recently. Tales of Suspense, oh, what we've been watching yes. recently. Okay. What we've been watching recently. So, Tyler, you've been cranking through some movies. What have you been watching recently? Well, I went to the cinema. The I sat through, cinema? Uh, I sat through two movies. Uh, one which uh, one I wanted to see and one I uh, was there already, so I saw it. The first one was called Booksmart. It is a comedy with um, two actresses I, I don't know a lot of him. One is from uh, she was on Justified as she was younger and she was also on that Tim Allen sitcom that's going on now and then the other one is like Jonah Hill's sister who's in like Neighbors 2 but anyway it's like a teen comedy they're about to graduate and they're like the book they're the smart kids and they haven't they've been they've had their nose down on the books all uh, all school long all four years and they got into good schools and then they realize it's like when they start talking shit, it's like, you know what, you make fun of me or whatever for being, like, so buttoned up. Like, and I got into a good school and you're going to be doing nothing. And the party kids are just like, well, we got it. I got into Harvard and I got into this place. Like, and they realize that they have, they've missed out on the, you know, they felt like they had to buckle down and other people were just losers. But no, some of them, not all of them, some of them were able to do both. So they feel like they've got to have a big night of one hurrah of partying or whatever. So it's kind of, it's very much a lot like, uh, Kind of like a super bad structure, one crazy night kind of a thing. It's directed by Olivia, Olivia Cook or Olivia Wilde. Who's the you one that's told on? Me Olivia Wilde is Olivia Wilde the one who was on House for yeah. a while? Okay, and she's married to Jason Stakus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's an actress. She directed this, and it's very funny. And I wish that you had seen it with me because I think you would have really enjoyed uh, the humor. Although I have to admit, I was watching this for the first twenty minutes, and I was struggling. Because I think this is one of the first uh, teen comedies that I've seen in a while that really didn't feel, like, all that relatable. Like, I I felt like I felt old watching it. Mm -hmm. Like, the characters and how they were acting I felt were very authentic. But I just – I was also just like, this is not how, like, my generation's teen movies played. Even, like, Superbad, which is not even my generation. It's another later one. Um, and even newer ones, like when we watch like Blockers, like that movie has teenagers in it, but it also has like adult characters, and so and those are like main characters as well. So that's what's 
crazy about this. I was just like, I was kind of just taken aback by kind of the universe in which the, but I feel like it was authentic, but I was just like, I don't, this is weird. This is mm-hmm. not, these is not the teenagers that I know. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird experience watching that, but it was funny. I enjoyed the movie. And then because it was coming out, I sat through, we talked about the original just a couple episodes ago and how we were pretty not looking forward to the new one. Yeah, because it looked awful. The trailers looked so bad. And then it came out, and the reviews weren't horrible. It was and there even was like, one good trailer. You said that. I don't believe I thought you. so. I don't think so. But it got like 60% tomato reader. There were people out there that liked it. It's going to, it turns out it made more money than they thought it was going to make. People are clearly enjoying it. So I sat and I watched Aladdin, mm-hmm. starring Will Smith and some other people. And I. Really didn't like it. Aww. <laughs> I, I this is just an, I, I. You ha- also didn't like Beauty and the Beast. I'm on record as not really caring for these live action ones. I think the best made one was the Jungle Book, and even that I was just like, yeah, but okay, but I have the Jungle Book. I'm good. Like I don't need this. I don't. This is you know okay. Admittedly, there are there's not a lot of uh, not. It's less CGI. Obviously, Genie is a monstrosity of blue CGI, and there's a monkey that runs around, but and a carpet, a flying carpet, a flying carpet. Ooh, that does that stuff doesn't look good either. But there are at least human characters, and so there are more opportunities to make like a human movie here. Um, yeah, I felt like any time it was trying to copy or do the things that you like about the original Aladdin. It came off very poorly. Mm. It just didn't work. And it just felt like a copy and it felt like false homage and there for the sake of being nostalgic. And unfortunately, that is most of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought, it, now, everything we talked about in episode, whatever it was, a few back, we, and we admit there's our, there were things that make that cartoon, that animated movie from 1992 dated, right? The depiction of Jasmine, the depiction of the culture, right? There were some problematic areas. Episode right. 38. Episode 38. Thank you for doing that research. Um, <laughs> so, and to this movie's credit, it gives Jasmine more of a story. It gives her more autonomy. It gives her more of a voice. She even has a new song that's like the main new song of this whole thing. And it's not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, Are there other female characters? Are there any other female named characters? Yes. So they added a character. She has like kind of a... it's. She's from. She's funny. She was on SNL, and she was like uh, Winston's girlfriend, turns wife on like New Girl. Remember her, Nassim Pedrad. I think that's her name, the actress. So she's in it. She has more to Winston's do. Winston's girlfriend. Yeah, Winston. You remember or Winston? Uh, Winston is the other. Let's see. Um, who are my characters on on New Girl? <laughs> we got Jess. We got Nick. Uh, we got Schmidt. Schmidt. Schmidt's girlfriend. No, 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 because that's, that's Cece. No, it's not Cece. It's, oh. like, later. Um, Winston. The, you know, Winston. The black guy? Yeah, and he... With the he white has a girl, cop- red hair cop girl? No, it's Nassim, but it's the same actress. She's, like, and she's Winston her partner. Winston marries the red-headed cop girl. Well, look it up. That's, it's, that's who it is. It's who it is. It's that actress. She was in the last several episodes of the last few things of New Girl, and she's in Aladdin. Winston doesn't marry a brown girl. Look up the Aladdin cast list. Click on Nassim Pedrad and tell me she's not a new girl. Fine. You son of a bitch. Okay, but, like, you're really bad at, at um, <laughs> facial recognition. Okay, and I think you're going to prove it right now that on might air. Be, that might be the case. But 
So there are there's more with Jasmine in the movie that I thought was pretty good, and I like that. But everything else that was kind of just copying the other thing, not good. Now, they obviously knew that the blue genie didn't look very good, because it isn't much of the movie in which he is blue. They make him into, like, human Will Smith <coughs> Excuse me. pretty quickly, and he... Like, it, during the Prince Ali segment, that's where a lot of the new stuff comes from. And he's just kind of, like, this regular, no CGI Will Smith. That is definitely along. her. Yes. And I thought she was a red-headed white girl. But and now that right. I'm looking at her, I'm a total asshole. You are a huge asshole. So that's good. That I, I told what you. is her background? She was in, like, SNL for a couple years. And then she uh, was on New Girl. and she's She was born stuff. in Iran. Yeah. She's I, Iranian. Yeah, I know. You're the one who... I'm an asshole. She just kind of have reddish hair. You know, for a kind of brown person, you should be ashamed of yourself. I am. You should be ashamed. I'm so ashamed. Okay. Anyway, so I, you know, yeah, they add. So there's a character there that's added, and then she oddly has a weird thing with Will Smith. So she actually gets a little bit with Will Smith, but like even like the songs, like doing "Never Had a Friend Like Me," Will Smith's version of that is very lifeless while trying to copy what we've already come to love which is a very animated cartoon thing so the fact that it's going on it's just i did not care for it i did not i wish i would have seen it because maybe i would have liked it i just don't get it i don't understand why we are giving free passes this like substandard shit it's it's substandard it isn't as good they corrected like the social problems of Aladdin, but they still made like a not great movie. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do. This like I don't I don't need to see like anything with that magic carpet. By the way, it looks bad. Like That's it's too just, bad because the magic carpet is the star in the old. The carpet one. itself doesn't look bad, but every time anybody's riding on the thing, I didn't like it. The main I don't know the the two actors. There are Aladdin and Jasmine are real. I don't know them from anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aladdin I thought was okay, but not great. The gal who played Jasmine is very good in the part. I will oh. I will say that I think that she does some work to kind of get the movie Naomi going a little Scott. bit. Yeah, she's good. I thought she was good. The movie I was really excited for, because I wasn't enjoying the movie, but I did hear before I saw it that my man Will Smith was going to come at me with a credits rap, like he had done for me in Wild Wild West, mm-hmm. Men in Black, Men in Black 2. It's been a while, Will Smith. You made that terrible Suicide Squad movie, but you didn't make a Suicide Squad Suicide Squad song. So I was excited to get to the credits at least and hear this Will Smith rap and it's like never had a friend like me but it's like a new rap version with rap lyrics right very excited when it started and I'll tell you what goes right off the bat when it starts you hear a voice that goes DJ Khaled Will Smith the greatest thing oh god I don't understand this DJ Khaled shit I don't understand why every one of the songs is ever involved and he has to announce his name on the front of it but I was just like, I didn't even listen to the whole thing. I was like, nope, DJ Khaled, you've ruined even the only thing that I was looking forward to, which was my Will Smith rap, and you didn't even let me have it without you saying your name over it. Who are? No one cares that you're on the track, DJ oh, Khaled. Geez. No one cares that you're there. <laughs> you, you, you remixed Never Had a Friend Like Me. Congratulations. You, apparently, you're a musical genius. You have to put your name on it. Um, Fuck off, DJ Khaled. Wow, okay. <laughs> hey, so I got a different question for you. Did okay. you watch the Power Rangers movie in 2017? I watched it on video. I read it. Because that had Naomi Scott, Scott as the Pink Ranger. Okay, I did. I think I did see that reference. I don't remember that movie very well. It's pretty forgettable, but I yeah, she was the Pink Ranger in that. Okay. Kimberly. Kimberly, yeah, great. Great. Uh, Let's move on. You know who's good in that? I, I didn't like the Power Rangers movie, but Elizabeth Banks... 
is she's Rita Repulsa, the villain, and she's having fun. I like I, that. She was at least She'll trying. She'll do things. She tried. She was trying to make that thing She'll more. She'll go for it. Uh, what else did I watch? What, did you, you watch anything? You also watched Star Wars recently with our kids. Right, so you were out of town, <clears throat> and I... Man, the, the two older kids have asked because they know about we have a little BB-8 uh, robot and they know that I like and our, our son has a R2-D2 toy mm-hmm. that he really likes and yet he's never <laughs> seen any of the origin of why he likes it so I thought like well you know mom's out of town let's just see if we can get uh, Star Wars going our oldest who's probably the most applicable age to watch Star Wars the other ones are too young to watch Star totally. Wars probably she was like, I don't want to watch this. I want to watch the Barbie movie. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. So, of course, we had to watch it over a couple of days. But she's just asking a thousand questions. My little question. So, it's the first Star Wars episode four. So, that's the first thing. She's like, what number is this? I'm like, I don't want to get in with you. I don't want to get in with you. I agree with her. <laughs> it's fucking confusing. Well, it is. But that's why I was like, I don't want to get into it with you. It's you the first Star Wars. You should have given her a list. I know. But she, right off the bat, it says Star Wars episode okay, four. You needed to make a list. In the yeah. years the movies came out, but like put them in order of the story. I will probably do that. And actually, could you just one. do that for me as well? Okay, I will. So... <laughs> You know, I so, th- but she was had all these questions. She didn't understand the, the all that. I said, well, they made ones the prequels that happened before. She's like, I don't. What's going on with this movie? <laughs> so, but she complained about watching it. But of course, once it gets going, she's just hooked in the thing. Mm-hmm. She wants to know what's going on. Elliot, our oldest son, was enjoying just the blasters and the the robot people. He kept asking when BB Eight was going to show up, and I was like, "Buddy, he's not showing up for like <laughs> seven more movies." Eight more movies. Yeah, he's not going to be there. R two D two. But I was really playing up R two. Like R two D two. He's the best. This motherfucker yeah. is awesome. He does everything. He saves, he saves everybody. I really got Marion hooked on the. I rewound it so she could hear it because she talked over it the first time. Because mm-hmm. it happens occasionally throughout the franchise, but. Uh, R2-D2 does a beep, 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 beep mm-hmm. and C-3PO is like, you need to watch like, watch your language or whatever. And I was uh-huh. like, isn't that... Oh, I was like, Marion, he's swearing in beepity-boops. <laughs> I was like, and I ever got it. So she thought that was pretty good. And, um, yeah, so they, she ended up just really getting involved with all of that. So that made me happy that... I, I mean, I had to fight her to get her to goddamn watch it, but... <laughs> At least she, like, Ellie and I knew was just going to be like, I like the shooting, blah, 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 you know. I'm a bully. I like fighting. Yeah. And our our two-year-old, obviously, just, because he just likes, he just likes to be my buddy. Eh, She wanted to finish it. Uh Uh-huh. But, you know. She (laughs) She liked the robots. Quite comprehending everything. She liked the robots. She just thought anytime the robots were on screen. Luckily, they're on a lot of the movie. Mm -hmm. That was, like, my hook. I was like, this has got C-3PO and R2-D2 in a lot of this thing. And, uh, and even in the end, we had to, like, because uh, we had to stop, and then we had to get to the ending where R2-D2 is in that, that whole, you know, Death Star sequence, right, where they have to blow it up. Um, I was like, no, R2-D2, he rides along with Luke Skywalker. He's helping. He's right there. Well, Luke Skywalker's so annoying in this movie. He's not that bad. Mm. No, he's not that bad. Mm. He's got a little bit of that whine that was just kind of mm-hmm. told that he had to do. It gets better, I think. I really like Mark Hamill I know in general, so I just him. I can't I can't even like tolerate Same any criticism okay. of him. Sorry, so just watch your watch yourself with okay. that shit. Well, this uh, is a Star Wars <laughs> podcast, so let's move. Anyway, on. it's great. I just <laughs> thought it was it was enjoyable to watch it with the kids. <laughs> what I thought was fun. Marion actually has a really good um, reaction to on screen death. <laughs> 
Aww. Well, I, I I think she's she's able to separate it because like in the trench scene at the end with the Death Star, Luke Skywalker's flying. Other people are getting blown up. So when people get blown, like the other ships get blown up, like is they gonna make it? They're gonna make it. And then and she's like, ooh, ooh, that person died. It's just like, uh oh. She's not like that. Because I was my fully... girl who two years ago when Moana came out cried. Because she was like when happy the grandma tears. died. Oh yeah, yeah. She cried. Yeah. And then happy tears when the grandma shows back up again. So she actually is very aware of on screen. I don't know. And if... and when she's uncomfortable with something, she does these weird spazzy reactions. Uh huh. When she's like, oh god, emotions. Ooh. Well, yeah, we, we yeah we're the parents that let her watch Bob's Burgers. Yeah. And she watched that Bob's Burgers recently where like the kids were breaking into the school to like stop something. Uh-huh. She like five times like was like this is making me really uncomfortable because <laughs> they're like breaking rules. <laughs> <laughs> she's like I don't know I don't like this like what are they doing they're gonna get in trouble right she's like I don't get it <laughs> why are they doing that. So I don't know if she's equating them blowing up and dying, because I was fully prepared to be like, are they dead? I'm like, no, they had parachutes. <laughs> they got space parachutes. Ejected, they're fine. Yeah. But no, because earlier, when we first started it, like, toward the beginning, when they're shooting lasers at each other, like, a couple of the, I think it's, like, the Greedo shit, and this is, like, unfortunately, I have, like, just the, the, the special edition, which looks like shit. Those fucking, man, I tell you what, the special editions, I don't care about the new... Greedo shop. No, I don't give a shit about that. The actual effect work that they did to enhance the movie, quote unquote, is so bad. It's so dated now. Like it looks worse than it ever did before. Yep. Job of the Hut's new little scene that looks terrible. It looks like a cartoon. Anyway, like that's where I think she noticed like like someone like a laser piercing through a, a she- an armor and they fell down. And then that's when she's like, "Is that guy dead?" And I was like, "Nah, <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> I got stunned. <laughs> just lasers. Nah, <laughs> just lasers." Cause no bullets, it's lasers. Lasers don't kill. Why? Why are you afraid to tell her that? Because the died? other kids were in the room. I didn't want to. Like, it's fine for her because I think she can handle it. But Elliot, you know, he'll be like, "I'm gonna shoot you with my laser, and you're gonna pierce through your armor and be dead." Because like, he does say things like that. Sure. Like, you're gonna be dead. Because he doesn't. Yeah, I he mean, doesn't quite get no. it. He's not quite there. Anyway, that was the other thing I watched, and then I watched uh, oh, another thing. I watched. I was gonna watch uh, like a real movie, but then on Netflix, they how do they know? I haven't watched Price Is Right. In a, in a while, but I like Prices Right. Always loved Prices Right. Thanks to my grandma Rosemary, who taught me everything there is to know about Prices Right. Um, but anyway, there was a documentary on Netflix about it was called Perfect Bid: The Contestant Who Knew Too Much, and it was about a guy who was a super fan. There's super fans out there that know they keep logs of all the prizes that appear on the show, like the part you know the contestants row prizes, so that. If you were ever to go, you would be able to, you know, know the prices of things. Or if you were there, you can shout it out. So this guy went to the show, taping, taping was like 10 times he was in the audience. There's footage of him, like, mouthing exact numbers to people about the price and and telling That's people. amazing. And then he actually did get on, right? And But unfortunately, the when he – because you can only get on – it used to be, like, you could only get on one and that was it. Now they've changed it. You can go on every 10 years, I think. But he went on once and – he got just like a couple that he did like punch a he got he got like a thousand dollars like this is a guy who probably could have picked a car out but he didn't spend he, someone beat him on the wheel which is like random luck mm-hmm. and then his pricing game he didn't he won out of luck just only like a thousand bucks this is a guy who could have made a bunch of money but he helped other people make a ton of money Aww. including a scenario where it was on the showcase when you have like three big prizes and if you get within a couple hundred you get both prizes right, right. within so 500. no one in the history of the show 
has ever gotten right on because you know it's they're meant to be like weird numbers not cents but you know different numbers this guy claims that he was the one talking to this guy the first ever person to get a, a one exactly right because he made friends with the person in the audience there were producers that they knew him and they knew that he knew prices really well because there's a couple episodes they showed the footage of him being in the audience and he was mouthing and bob barker was like where'd you get that answer from this guy and, like, they made a fun thing about it. He's like, this guy knows, you should listen to him. Like, you should listen to him. Like, so they made a big deal about it mm-hmm. one episode, which was really cool. So that's okay. They don't discourage people from, like, learning the things and helping people on the stage. Oh, okay. But because he got it right on and he was helping this, they thought they had to shut down. There was down. some sort of This cheating. was during Drew Carey's reign. So he was back in the audience or whatever. And they thought there was some scandal, right? Yeah, like and, a staff member or something. And they had footage of Drew Carey, I think, on a, an interview talking about, like, how the sh- it was a fucking clusterfuck because everybody thought there was cheating going on. Because oh. And it was kind of new into his term and a producer had been fired or something like that and so they thought there was this animosity and so super fascinating, fun stuff about prices, mm-hmm. right? I wish the documentary had a little bit more from... So they got Bob Barker in there to interview, and he was uh, wonderful. He's still alive, and that's great. Um, he's old. He's real old, but God, he's just delightful. And you miss him. Mm-hmm. And I like Drew Carey fine, but Bob Bar- it's Bob Barker's show, right? Yeah. So they got him, and they got this guy, but then they don't get a lot of the other people that would have helped fill in the story. And Yeah. I, I don't not believe him. I think he's totally right. He proved because like the whole episode they're showing, like he, they, I think I proved by, that I'm pretty good at guessing prices. They could have found those people though. And he they refused to be interviewed, and he Why? and and he claims that he came up with it on his own. His wife fed it to him, but he was sitting next to the wife, and the producer knew because they shut down and they had to go talk to him, and they got their prizes or whatever. But that guy never wanted to let like let it go be known that he didn't come up with the number. Why? Who cares? Right. So, but it would have been great if the documentary had gotten like that producer, one of the producers. If they had gotten the new producer, if it was able to actually get Drew Carey to interview for this thing, because what he said after, like offhand, and one of the things was like, "Oh, you'll never, they'll never be able to do that again. We've made it. We've now we've created a scenario where you'll never be able to guess that because we we changed the stand, we changed standards without. Yeah, anyway, so fascinating. But I wish there was more because I anything about behind the scenes prices right is uh, great. Nice. What did you watch? You watched some stuff. <coughs> you watched some movies that I have not seen. So on I recently an traveled. Yes. On an on four airplanes. Mm-hmm. Eight airplanes really. Okay. A lot of airplanes. Oh, humble brag. Okay. <laughs> Bragging um, of flying the air. I my first flight mm-hmm. uh was on Southwest. You don't, you don't get watch shows. you don't get any entertainment on Southwest. No, they don't give you. They may throw some pretzels at you. Yeah. They say, hey, sit down, asshole. Yeah. Seatbelt signs Actually, on. no, I love Southwest. They're always very friendly. Okay. That's sit down, right. asshole. They don't say that. Okay. Um, then I flew Delta. But sometimes the flight attendants think they're making jokes, though. They like to tell jokes over the intercom. They think they're funny guys. Okay. Okay. I will take the live flight attendants over Delta's pre-recorded thing. Because when you are flying somewhere that has a layover, so you've got two flights to your destination and then two flights home, and it's just a safety video that is the same fucking video... And you have to listen to that stupid, jokey ass. And I'm going to count this as podcast worthy because it was a movie, right? <laughs> okay, you're, you're so, t- so the movie, the, one of the movies you saw was the Delta in flight safety. Yes, uh, video. yeah. Okay. And they animate this, and they're like, "Hey, let's take." And if you've flown Delta, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've flown Delta, but I fly with uh, Supreme. Uh, I like to. 
I like to fuck myself up because I don't like flying. Yeah. So I take pills and I drink alcohol. <laughs> God. <laughs> so they, it's animated mm-hmm. and it's like the safety card. They're like, it starts out with like a real person. It's like, let's take a journey with the, into the safest place on earth, the safety card. And then it zooms <laughs> into the safety card and then all the characters in, on your safety card that's like the guy by the exit aisle and stuff like that are now animated. And it's, and it throws in some jokes in there and it walks you through everything. First time you're like, oh, that's kind of cute. And then, second, third, fourth time you're like shut the fuck up I fucking just shut up I'll take the annoying person with their jokey jokes doing it live with the little seatbelt clicks and the air masks rather than watching the same animated safety video four times in a row all right. Okay. There's my Delta rant. Okay. Okay. So, so but, not, they're not going to sponsor the podcast sponsored by Delta they're not, they're not doing it Um. so they have the on-flight entertainment and I watched a few movies. I watched What Men Want. Taraji P. Henson's yes. spin on that Mel Gibson yes. classic. <laughs> yes. It was an average movie, but mm-hmm. I love her, so I quite enjoyed it. I, w- I do want to eventually watch it because I do like Taraji P. Henson in most everything. It wasn't... There weren't a lot of, like, laugh-out-loud moments, but I was enjoying myself watching it. So what it. I find fascinating about... Because I know that movie is R-rated. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you watched it on an airplane. Yes. Do they? It's not R-rated on an airplane. So when they start the movie, it says, like, this film has been edited for whatever. And it does say, like, mature content or whatever. You have to click yes on the screen that you're an adult. Okay. But then it is edited so there's no swearing. Hmm. And if there's anything, like, gratuitous, they blur it out. So there's this scene where, like, she has, like, a one-night stand with a guy. She's late for a meeting. She's rushing to work. And she shows up at work, and there's a condom, like, on her the back of her skirt. Mm-hmm. And it's all blurred out. How do you know it was a condom? Well, because blurred. they talk about it. Oh. They're like, you've got a condom on the back of your skirt. Nice. So that was weird. I was like, why is that all blurred <laughs> out? A condom. Like they blurred it out. Huh. Not like like not like the pixelated blur, just like a straight up blur. Nice. It was weird. And then so then and then she goes to a bachelorette party and you know there's like little dicks all over the place, like necklaces and and those were all blurred out. Now how do you know that those were little dicks? Because I'm not an idiot <laughs> and I've been to a bachelorette so you party. Little dicks, huh? Lots of little dicks. Okay. Anyway, that's a, that's one of the that's a movie that I would just be like, why why bother to put it on the plane? <laughs> I I don't know. But you watched it. Mm-hmm. So what do they do? They beep out the swords, or do they change it to like peas they're, and rice? They're voiced over with like freaking and. Oh, that's my. I prefer beeps. Mm. Or just yeah, or silent. It actually, you know what? It I feel like it's gotten better since peas and rice. I like it. It actually wasn't that. Um, I don't know what's the word. I'll watch the regular. Didn't version. throw me off. Yeah. What else did you watch on the okay. airplane? Then on my way back, I wanted something a little more chill, so I watched um, At Eternity's Gate. Oh, that sounds like a real chill Willem movie. Willem Dafoe. Well, it was very like slow, and I kind of was like, well, if I take a nap during this, it's fine. I can't. This is a movie that I've not seen either. Has really good music in it. Um, that one's about Vince Van Gogh, and I'm not one to like love like a biopic. Like Ugh, yeah. that's not up my alley. Like, like he was running in the running for like Oscar. I think he got an Oscar nomination. But even then, I was just like, yeah, but I mean, I don't need it. I love Willem Dafoe, too. I'll probably see it eventually. But Yeah, it's a really quiet movie. It didn't come out very, um, fat, very long here, anyway. I was going to see how long it was. An hour and 51. Wow, it didn't feel that long watching it. Clicked along for you. Yeah. Um, and he was really great in it. Sure. And that's that. 
Um, All right. I don't know what else to say about what that What a one. stellar review. And then um, on my flight home, I texted you like nine movies, like, which which one should I watch? I got one more flight. Give me your advice. And you, you motherfucker, didn't text me back. And then I had to go to airplane mode, so then I was left to my own devices. Well, you told me you were going to watch... Uh, well, I saw the text. I just didn't get back to you in You're time. You're an asshole. I, was, I didn't see it. I would have done it if I had seen the text. I literally typed out 12 movies for you. You know, somewhere... Uh, sometimes you're like, you know, you should be more present and not be on your phone. And then... I'm not. And you're like, why are you answering my 12 texts about this movie question? Well, yeah. When I need you, you need to be responsive. I did respond. I said all the ones you should watch, you should watch The Hate You Give. Well, that didn't help me because I didn't get that until I landed back in town. Right. Well, that was, I mean, I don't know if that's a rock plane movie Although either. I didn't, I, I saw The Hate You Give and I, I was like, I remember Tyler talking about this and he said it was really good. And then I good. I went ahead and turned on Mary Poppins Returns. Which I've seen. Is, I've seen that. Um, <clears throat> what did you think of Mary Poppins Returns? Well, I'll tell you what I thought. Okay. Um, one, I had some delicious lunch that I bought in the airport, in the Minnesota Minneapolis airport, including a can of canned cool wine. Cool. So basically what I'm trying to tell you is I got drunk for the first part of the movie. Okay, that makes it better. And I was like, oh my god, this movie's so good. And I was almost like, mm, I'm like dancing with the song. Oh yeah, that's Mary I was Poppins. Like, She's Mary returned. Poppins returning. Emily Blunt's got this. But it was only one can of, can oh, of wine. Off. So at the end of the movie, I was like, I'm getting kind of tired. Yeah. So I thought it started really good. Because <laughs> well, you, you were in a different state of mind. I was buzzed. Mm-hmm. And then and um and then it's sort of I don't know I, I, I didn't like the ending I, it's I think it's not totally fine Emily Blunt's great but she gets kind of sidelined and for a movie called Mary Poppins she's not in a lot of the last half hour of mm-hmm. it the things I liked yes they left it as just like she's Mary Poppins yeah, I like that too it wasn't like this is Mary Poppins' daughter or her like cousin no, no explanation she's just Mary Poppins They're, and all the characters are like age. that's Mary Poppins and you look great for how old you are and yeah. I thought that was great mm-hmm. Um, so I love Emily Blunt, so I'll watch her in any She's good in the part, too. She's got a good singing voice. She doesn't have a lot of, I mean, she sings, but it, there's, I, my favorite song in the movie is her song. That's like her slower song. Mm -hmm. I do like the trip your little life. Like when Lin-Manuel Miranda is singing in the movie, I like it. His, I, I I struggle with the accent though. He's really good putting it on thick in the movie. I love Lin-Manuel. I did not love him in this movie. (laughs) It's just so, he's like, oh, governor. He's like, oh, governor. And he's like, (laughs) in my mind, in my memory of this, he is smiling nonstop. Like that theater. He's a lamplighter. He's kind of like the Dick Van Dyke of the, but it's very, it's just. He's like, I'm still smiling. And I'm smiling over here, Governor. It's pretty. It's pretty thick. Like, I like him in the, the singing fuck? and the dancing, but turn uh, it down a little, buddy. It's a little much. <laughs> Holy! But, you know he's he's doing the lamplighter thing. He's yeah. got to do the part. So that's the most new releases I've seen in in the span of a few days. And <laughs> a long, didn't have to beep time. anything in Mary Poppins. Probably nothing beep, nothing blurred. I would assume in Mary Poppins. You know what's good in that movie is Ben Wishaw, who's like the older kid, who's the father, the yeah. dad in the movie. He's great. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of is. I think he's the thing that kind of saves it from when Emmy Blunt's kind of sidelined. At least he's in it and he's good. Yeah. And what's her name? Uh, yeah. Who's the sister? Um, mm-hmm. Emily yeah, Mortimer. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great. great. She's great in everything. But yeah, they're, they're both really good in it. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So we watched a lot recently. We did. I hope that um, our listeners get to go out and watch some stuff too. <laughs> I would recommend of what I saw. Mm, I don't know. I would not recommend Aladdin. <laughs> I just wait for all these to be on video. Yeah, okay. Are they all on video? Is that why I was able to watch them? I think either they're close or they are. Yeah. Okay. I think they're either on video or close to being on video. So, yeah, Mary Poppins for sure. 
Yeah. So I want to see Booksmart really bad. That's good. It, Another movie that's I think it like it opened this weekend and it it made good money for like its budget I guess, but it's just like Aladdin made a hundred million dollars and Booksmart made like six. I'm just that just pisses me off. Like go see a it's so much better. I also just don't <laughs> think it has a good title. You don't like the title because you couldn't remember. I keep saying I saw this. You're like, what's that movie? And I was like, you would like this movie. You should at least remember the name. It needed something like, I don't know. I like it. I like the name of it. Like super bad. Book. I think it's the same kind of thing. Booksmart. I like it. I like the title. I like the movie. Like Blockers. I like that title. Well, yeah, but that's because there's a chicken on the logo, so you know that they really mean cock blockers. Cock blockers. <laughs> Days okay. of Thunder. We are here today. Gathered here today to talk about a film. A classic film. A classic film from the year 1990. Year Days of Our of Lord, 1990. I was seven years old. I was probably, the, yeah, six or seven, right? Do you, like, all you do is you take the year you were born and mm-hmm. you subtract. So you were born in 84, so you were six. Okay, if you say so. Okay. <laughs> You dork. Um, okay, let's do some high stats. Let's rock into this. Well, do, do we do high stats first, or we do what do we remember? Oh, that's what I did last time. You jumped ahead, and we forgot to do that. Okay, so let's Not jump into time. our first segment that we always do, okay. consistently and entertainingly, mm-hmm. called What Do You Remember? Where we sit down, we write what we remember before we watch the movie. Right. No cheating allowed. No cheating Although allowed. I'm convinced that in the week prior to recording, Tyler's always cheating. Not true. I don't believe we you. We decided to watch this literally just like, it was, we were flipping through, we didn't want to go down and grab a DVD, you're like, what's on, let's see what's on Prime, and it was just there. And that's what we picked. Yep. So it wasn't like there was any research involved. Okay. You go first today. Okay. What do you remember? Well, I wrote, Tom Cruise is a cocky race car driver, Cole Trickle. He thinks he's pretty great. Did you seriously write his character name, Cole yeah. Trickle, in your What You Remember? Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, I saw this movie a lot. <laughs> Who are you? When I was younger. Jesus. Uh, Start over. Ra- Tom Cruise's cocky race car driver, Cole Trickle. He thinks he's pretty great. But Robert Duvall is his crew chief, telling him to keep it cool. Nicole Kidman is his therapist turned girlfriend. No, wait, that's Batman forever. She's something, but they're boning. And anyway, Cole has to recover from a gnarly crash and reclaim his glory on the racetrack. That's pretty good. Yeah, I saw this movie. Okay, so we'll go ahead and then we oh, can talk okay. about the Mine says, Tom Cruise looking hot with his hair and something about racing. I'm 92% sure I haven't seen this. We were always too busy rewatching Top Gun in our house. That's it. That's all I remember. Well, a lot of people describe this movie in the reviews, either positive or negative, of saying like, it's, to- it's Top Gun on wheels. And either that's like, an, if you look at the reviews, it's either like, they mean that in a good way, or they mean that in a bad way. Yeah. So they, it's the same criticism either way. So you don't remember seeing it. Oh, boy. Okay, I don't know. For someone who doesn't like traveling, or anything fast, or cars in general. Or who is not the primary driver in our family. Who, or could, could just care less about uh-huh. car things in general. Back when I was a lad. A little lad. A wee lad. When I was young, before... Puberty? Eight. Maybe eight or nine is when I, when the, whatever the turtle, real the turtle phase kind of took over. I really liked cars, race cars, as a lot of little boys or little kids do, right? So I was really into race cars and all that kind of stuff. And we mm-hmm. would go to, occasionally there was, there's like, you know, lo- local, local races race and stuff way. like that. And I liked all that stuff. I think I was the only one who probably did. And they did it because I liked it, right? My parents. So Days of Thunder comes out. As you just said, I was six years old. It's PG-13. It's not a kid's movie. Mm -hmm. But I have a very clear memory of going to the movie theater to see this movie brand new. So I must have convinced them 
seeing the trailers or knowing enough about it that, like, I could go to this movie. Either that or my dad really wanted to go, but it doesn't seem like he was really, like, he's never been, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he won't watch, like, a NASCAR race or something like that, but it doesn't seem to be, it's not, there's it, it, a list of It's not of his things. go-to, but no. is Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman his go-to? Maybe, I don't know. I don't think so. My, now, I have a brother who, like, later in life became very interested in NASCAR, oddly, which is very <laughs> weird. I think he knows, he, there's been, he's gotten to get close. I think that might be one of the reasons. But, uh, yeah, but back then I loved, I wanted to see this so bad. And so I got to go and watching it now and even, no, I mean, even as a kid and even seeing it later on, like, video or on TV, I know that I was like, this is this is not for children. This part's not for children. <laughs> this part's not for children. <laughs> this is a naughty part. Yeah, there's a naughty part here. Ooh, that lady's touching Tom Cruise's uh, crotch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom Cruise just forced uh, Nicole Kim to touch his crotch. Oh. Oh, boy. Okay. Interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, so I just, I saw this movie a lot. A lot. It was one of my favorites as I got older and older and older. And, and so... And then there was a long period of time where I didn't watch it. I don't think we we have not watched it together. We don't own it. No. And uh, it's it kind of, it's fallen off in terms of like a clock because I mean I think it's once once you watch it it's fairly apparent that there's nothing particularly special about it other than it's just it cheesiness. And there's a lot of behind the scenes things that are kind of fascinating. This movie's dumb. How did you like it so much? <laughs> It's dumb. Yeah, it's very dumb. <laughs> and the fact that you were like, "This is one of my favorite movies." I'm, I'm questioning when our I was entire a kid. marriage. Our when entire I was marriage. a kid, I don't. It's not a favorite anymore because I haven't watched it. This is probably the first time I watched it in 15 years, oh, 20 really? years. Those memories of Cole Trickle came right up to your, to oh, yeah. your tongue. No, because <laughs> because when it plays, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this part, and this is going to come up after this, and this is going to come after this, and this is going to come after this." I because I saw it so much. Right. Wow. The only thing that kind of surprised me this time was just like all the beats I remember. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm, I must be just remembering the beats of the movie and not like the in between parts. No, this movie doesn't actually have any in between parts. It just goes from like one major thing to the next. It's very abrupt. It's fast. Like the the story of the overall arc of like rise to fame, fall from grace, rise to fame is very. It just is 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 done it's very, very fast quick. paced, like a race, like a race. Isn't that fascinating? Wow! Right. So high stats time. High stats. Days of Thunder came out June twenty seventh, nineteen ninety. It clocks in at one hour forty seven minutes, a touch long for my liking of nineties movies. But for like a summer blockbuster, not not, not over, terrible, not overdone, not yeah, overindulgent, not hitting that two hour mark. Nope. Rated PG thirteen. Its budget. Mm-hmm. Reported mm-hmm. budget. I know that it was like way over budget once it was done. Who knows if that number Estimated is accurate? Estimated budget sixty million. Plus so probably more than that. Grossed eighty two million. Only cumulative 80- worldwide one hundred sixty five. Okay, so that is the. I was curious because I remember reading something else that was like it made one hundred fifty seven million dollars. Like, oh, it wasn't a disappointment, but it only made eighty million domestic on a sixty million dollar budget, and that probably wasn't the actual number. It didn't do great. No, that's not good. Yeah, it didn't make enough to probably turn a profit, at least, in the States. Okay, that that explains a lot of the turmoil that happened with the producers after the fact. So it's directed by Tony Scott. Yes, its tagline is, you can't outrun the thunder. <laughs> You're welcome for wow. that. That's pretty good. Okay. Uh, Tony Scott, uh, yeah. you know, great director, stylistic kind of director. He's sadly not with us anymore. His brother Ridley Scott still is. Uh, this is a Jerry Brockheimer Don Simpson joint. This was before 
it was just the Jerry Brockheimer joints because Don Simpson is uh, also no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would go on to make uh, you know all those uh, Armageddon's and the Pirates of the Caribbean. He's a super producer. He made Top Gun with Tom Cruise before, and uh, this movie was uh, over budget. They shot the thing basically without a script. Oof. Uh, Jerry Brockheimer and Don Simpson were some interesting fellas back I in the day. I can see that, yeah. <laughs> um, they had some good times while they were filming this movie. Uh, there were some fights uh, on how to how to proceed with the movie. And then when they didn't perform for the, th- uh, the studio, they were uh, kicked off and they went over to Disney. So, Oof. yeah, it was a little bit of a rough go. Uh, well, yeah, my favorite anecdote mm-hmm. from the... Uh, the IMDb and the all the basic things that are available online was that Jerry Brockheimer and Donna Simpson they filmed they filmed the movie down in Florida or whatever, and they rented out an office space and they spent I think they said like four hundred thousand dollars to turn it into like the Days of Thunder gym it was like a personal gym and then they would like hire models and prostitutes to just come and hang out and like Tom Cruise like Tom Cruise was hanging out oh my god. Like this is the world we were living in in like the late like late eighties and going into the nineties. They spent four hundred thousand dollars to have a vacant storefront in their hotel converted into their private gym with a large neon sign reading "Days of Thunder." Yep. <laughs> um, this is weird. Simpson also kept a closet full of Donna Karan dresses to offer the attractive women his assistants found on the beach. Okay, so... That's creepy. So, I know, right? So, you're thinking... You're hearing these stories, and you're like, well, this is all the shit that, like, Harvey Weinstein just went down for, right? I mean, but and I mean, this is... private parties with friends like rapper Tone Loke. Tone Loke. Oh, I love Funky Cool Medina. They threw a special welcome party for the crew to local nightclub, but plenty of hookers they flew in, most of whom they limited to a roped-off VIP area with themselves and Tom Cruise. Oh, Hashtag, boy. me too, picking up ladies at the beach and being like, would you like a pretty dress? Well, well I, this, they were probably not the only producers in town doing it at the time. That is Let's just fucked say that. up, It's messed though. up, though. Yeah, right? That's fucked up. So that's what's going on. Um, the other notable thing. So this movie's pretty stacked with cast. You got Tom Cruise. You got Robert Duvall. Randy Quaid. <laughs> Good old <laughs> pre, Randy Quaid. Pre-crazy Randy Quaid uh, here. You've got a young John C. Riley as a pit crew guy with a backstory a little bit of Robert... Mostly just Robert Duvall's backstory. He's only there to give a wide-eyed little performance as it goes. Mm-hmm. And... And then we have, uh, of course, Nicole Kidman. And Carrie Elway. Carrie, and Carrie Elway will show up mm-hmm. halfway through the movie. Uh, Michael Rooker is our other kind of adversary for Tom Cruise. And yeah, Nicole Kidman is... Now, I had this wrong when I was thinking back on it, is that they were married. No, I think this is actually where Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman... Hooked up. ...started their relationship, at Hooked least. Hooked up. Because he liked her in something else and got her in, and, and then, you know, they would get married and make other movies, but... And then, you know, subsequently, eventually divorced, but... Yes, so Nicole Kidman really sporting her Australian accent in this movie. No shame. Mm-hmm. Love it. She's down under. Takes her a while to get in the movie. It's a good 40 minutes maybe, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I forgot she was in this movie. This is really, I mean, it starts off like a Robert Duvall movie because it's just like uh, Randy Quaid shows up and gets Robert Duvall. Like, I need you to come back in the fold. I got a race car. I want you to race, right? And he's like, ah, my last driver died. <laughs> like, it's just kind of like, oh, all right, maybe he that's shouldn't go dark, back. Maybe, yeah. Like, he built a car, maybe the... Bre- and this, so that's John C. We learned later that it was John C. Riley's dad. It's all very, like, uh, mm-hmm. quiet. It's none, none of this is really spelled out. No, like, if, if you get up to go pee, you're going to miss that Buck Brotherton, played yeah, by John Bre- C. Riley. Right. 
that his dad was just killed a, less than a year ago. He was the driver that was killed and why Robert Duvall was not doing it. But then Robert Duvall does, doesn't need much convincing. He goes out to the racetrack and they get a car and they need a, a driver. And that's just when Tom, they're just like, oh, we got this driver. And he just rolls up in his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, no helmet, just kind of, he, ro- he rolls up on the motorcycle, like onto the racetrack, right? Yep. And I don't know, Robert Vall doesn't say it, but he's pretty much like, oh, I know swinging dick Californians or whatever. Yeah. You know, he's like a southern boy, country yeah. boy. A lot of Confederate flags all over this movie. Yeah. And then Randy Quaid's all like, I spent $2,500 to get the track today. Because they were like, I don't want you to do it, right? Because he didn't think Tom Cruise was going to do it. Because he's like, Tom Cruise doesn't know any... That's the thing about his character. He doesn't know... He's never driven a stock car. He was racing other cars. And then also, we learn later, he doesn't know anything about cars. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what he's saying. Like, hey... He's like, if it's tight or loose, I don't know what you're even talking about. He's like, hey, what's this pedal I push? The accelerator? I may not be that bad, but it's it's pretty bad. He doesn't know anything. And that's kind of like another... There's so many, like, little mini conflicts that pop up in this movie, and then they're just, like, quickly solved. As if someone was just writing the script on the fly. I don't know Hmm. how that worked. Well, one thing that comes full circle that he says in the beginning here, and then Tom Cruise says at the end again as well, right before he gets in the car, is, uh, let me drive. I won't make a fool out of you. Harry. And then he he says it again at the end of the movie. So then they let Colt trickle into that car, and he drives that car, and he impresses them. He's super fast. But yeah, so he has initial problems in his races. There's a great... See, I know this montage probably more than any montage of my childhood. It's like that... So glad we made it song. And it's just him being shitty at driving and losing. Because he doesn't know, like, oh, it's loose. He's blowing out the engine and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. Right? Oh, I have a rundown. Yeah. So first we get a montage of Robert Duvall building the car. Yeah, real, yeah. That's real quick. <laughs> well, there's a few of those in the movie. For Cold Trickle. Mm-hmm. And then a montage of raises. So we go to Phoenix, Arizona. He gets bumped up a little. Bumped. Oh, yeah, because... They're, that's, they're trying to teach us some rules of racing. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like when you get bumped on the track, that's just racing. People are just kind of nudging you a little bit. That's part of it. People mm-hmm. being a little rough on the racetrack and messing around with you. That's what they do. Then we go to Bristol, Tennessee. He okay. gets, these are my nose. He okay. got real bumped up and car <laughs> fucked up pretty good. Right. Oh, you guys, he like over, he hit the RPMs too hard mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Dover, Delaware, smashed his head. Oh, he smashed his head on in the pit. So he comes into the pit too fast and mm-hmm. he like crashes. Like, head on. <laughs> head on into the wall in the pit. With this music montage going on. Uh-huh. It's great. Uh, Rockingham, North Carolina. Uh, I wrote ice cream. Okay, yeah. So Robert Duvall, he's, he's tired of this shit. He's like, oh, I got He's like, I got to come in and pay. He's like, no, you can't right now. We're having ice cream. And he's eating an ice cream. So then he pulls over there and he actually gets out of the car and, and fights him. Oh, and at some point, there's a Randy Quaid speech where he says, what do we do out there? We look like a monkey fucking a football out there. I wrote that one down, too. Did you write that (laughs) one down? Absolutely. Yeah, because they use their one F-bomb in a pretty good way. We look like a monkey fucking a football out there. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're going to get your one F-bomb in your PG-13, that's a pretty good use of it, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to see if I can integrate that into work somehow. Yeah, you should. I'll be like, Uh, what did you do? You look like a monkey fucking a football. So, but, you know, they have a little heart-to-heart, manly heart-to-heart in the bar, Robert Duvall and Tom Cruise, and they get on each other's page, and then, you know, they start start winning. They win a race. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Well, yeah, Robert Duvall really has to teach. Teach him how to use Teach cold trickle. That You know what, Tyler? Tires. Tires is what wins a race. Well, that's what he told. So that's how he ends, wins that first race, because he's like... Don't worry, you don't have to... Like, the tires are going to hold. They're special tires. I put special tires on. And then, like, he says it to an interviewer afterwards. Like, special tires? We made that up. And then he, like, tried to fake fight some or whatever. But he did have to teach him how to drive on these tires so they don't blow out. 
It's and kind so of like run them down. It's amazing how much if you watch <laughs> cars. We've seen cars so much because we have children, and that came out later. I know that <clears throat> Doc Hollywood <throat> also has a ton of stuff that's in cars, but like all these things that are like in cars, and it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> these things are in this movie. Um, so then we get that really awkward uh, scene where uh, after they've won, uh, they uh, get pulled over. And then there's uh, Nick Searcy, uh, Timothy Oliphantastic's uh, boss on Justified. He's a state trooper. And there's a female state trooper. And they're pulling everybody over and stripping him down. And he, she starts uh, touching his private area. Tom Cruise's private area. And his dick looks so big because you can, like, <laughs> see it in his pant leg. And I just thought, like, he's got a... He must have a big dick. Or... And, and really tight pants. Or... A fake dick. It's a fake dick in there. So we got like this big dick hanging in his right side of his pants, and mm-hmm. this trooper is like putting her hand right on his dick. So I can see as you as a six year old, like, oh, that lady, she's touching that boy's dick. This was the moment. This is clearly one of the moments where I was just like, I, this is not a film for me. Oh this is God. not a film for a child. And then you realize that his buddies put her have, up to it. Have hired. A stripper or a hooker to dress up as these and to pull them over Mm -hmm. because she kisses him, right? Mm -hmm. And that'll come into play later when he meets Nicole Kidman. Mm -hmm. So the other major plot of this is that, of course, there's an adversarial uh, race car driver. Of course. Michael Rooker. His name is Rowdy. Rowdy. Every time I hear the name Rowdy, I just think of Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Um, But it's not him. It's Michael Rooker. And he's a dick. But, you know, Tom Cruise is kind of a dick. What I found odd about this, watching this this time, is, like, he's clearly set up to be a dick, and it's Michael Rooker, so he's got a dick face, because it's just, that's just... Yeah, it's just his face, yeah. That's the same tree as a nice Some guy, people but have... he's a character actor. Yeah. But he's not that much of a dick, really, because Tom really. Cruise is... It's amazing how many... guy who's never been a driver who thinks he can fucking drive. It is amazing of how, just how many movies there are of Tom Cruise, where he plays an unlikable dick. Yeah. He's really open to that, and I appreciate that, because it's just like... Because, I mean, he obviously has a lot of other history, right? But I do like how he's just an unlikable piece of shit. Kinda. Yes. Speaking (laughs) of... He has to learn. Speaking of Tom Cruise being a piece of shit... Uh Uh-huh. I'm gonna just jump us into Tea Time with Tyler, because I'm all out of tea. Here we go. Okay. Tea Time with Tyler, where I fill up my tea with some hot water. Are you ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Name as many shitty Tom Cruise movies as you possibly can. Movies that are bad? Yes. Featuring Tom Cruise? Yes. Lions for Lambs. The Mummy. The new remake of The Mummy. Um... I don't like Mission Impossible 2 very much. Um, he doesn't? Oh, uh, the Rock of Ages movie. Not good. Um, he doesn't have a lot of bad... I mean, he's mostly made good, pretty good movies. Um, Night and Day with Cameron Diaz, not great. But not... I mean, he, he's not a terrible lineup, really. Yeah, right, that's pretty good. Yeah, not a terrible lineup of And bad now movies. I got my tea, and that was Tea Time with Tyler. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, there's a rivalry, and this culminates in a pretty big wreck on the course. Tom Cruise is cold, is, there's there's smoke, and he's, you know, told to drive through and try to just get through the pass without wrecking. Well, he ends up smashing into Rowdy, and the cars get real messed up, mm-hmm. and they get rushed to the hospital. And what I felt odd about this was that just how, like... There's not, this is played pretty fast. It doesn't, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any real threat to Tom Cruise right away because it's like. But they are both life flighted. They are, but it's like, once they get to the hospital, they're both awake. So there's not like this risk of them being like, it doesn't seem like there's a risk of it being. Like they're going to die. Right. They're not going to die. They eliminate that pretty quickly. Nicole Kidman shows up with her Australian accent. Brain doctor, neurologist, right? Yep. 
And he's, uh, Tom Cruise is very upset. He's yep. like, he's just keeps saying like, you're supposed to aim right for them. He should have been gone by the time he got there, but he wasn't. Rowdy was spinning. Right. This is a moment where we get, uh, Nicole Kidman comes and tries to explain to him what's happened to him, mm-hmm. but because she's a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Dr. Lewicki is her Lewicki. name. Lewicki. Because she's so pretty. He doesn't believe that the boys, they think, he just thinks the boys have put another uh, hooker, let's trip her up to this whole mm-hmm. moment where they brought mm-hmm. her into a hospital. Mm-hmm. So he decides to talk uh, dirty to her and then proceeds to grab her hand and rest, move her hand onto his dick. That's pretty much what I wrote. I wrote, hashtag me too. He grabs her hand and puts it on his dick. And all the other guys are there and they're just laughing. <laughs> and it isn't until... It seems like some time has gone by before Robert Duvall goes up to Nicole Kim and is like, hey, by the way, we like told Sorry him that. that you were basically like a stripper. You thought you were a stripper. Sorry. But like, what about the rest of Like, that was not appropriate. <laughs> like, no, that was some complicit behavior. That's something you go and talk to her about immediately. And be like, listen, we're really sorry. We're really horrified that this happened. He thought you were this. And that's because we made him believe that. To a fucking like neurosurgeon. But because it's Tom Cruise... She kind of into it. I mean, sure. <laughs> because he ends up stalking her, calling her. He stalks her. her, like, legit stalks her. He finds her. out where her house is so he can send some flowers over. He's hiding out by her car so she can, he can talk to her there. He just wants all up in this Australian neurosurgeon's uh, life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it, but, like, take it easy, cold trickle. Totally. And so, but they get romantic to the point where we have a scene where it's been a few weeks and he, she go, he's got to go do another examination for concussion symptoms, right? And it's just like in a dark room and she's looking into his eyes and he's trying to make the moves. He's trying to make the moves. You're whispering, but I don't think we can hear you. (laughs) He's trying to make the moves. There we go. Getting near, come close on her. He's, she's just trying to get that, get that examination done. And And ladies and gentlemen, that is Tyler. Doing his sexy voice. And he walks out. And she walks out. And he's like, you're fine. He's like, hey, I thought, I, what, how could you just ignore me in there? It's like, I wasn't ignoring you. I was doing an examination. And she, like, strips him down, grabs his shirt, and they just start going at each other and they necking all over the place. each other. And it's implied, obviously, that they fuck. And then we get uh, a sexy scene where he explains <laughs> drafting on her thigh with sweet and lows. Yes, sweet and lows. Those things that cause cancer in rats. Yeah. And it's a scene that if you've seen Armageddon a lot, you'll know that it's very similar later in Armageddon when Ben Affleck is playing with animal crackers on Liv Tyler's belly. It's the same thing. Whoever wrote that movie saw it in Days of Thunder and thought, if they can do it on Nicole Kidman's thigh, we can do it on Liv Tyler's belly. I don't know if I like (laughs) what you're doing here or if I love it. Yeah, you love it. I don't know. It could go either way. We get a lot of scenes. And this is the whole movie. Every line of dialogue in this movie is like a, either it's a grand statement about life and how racing is really important. Stock, nothing stock about a stock car. Everything is just like grandiose statements, including their declaration of love. Why do you race? Or you're scared. And why are you scared? It's like, I want to control the uncontrollable and all this other. It's all just big yep. speech. Yep. Big, big ideas. Because these people aren't just race car drivers and neurosurgeons. For God's sake, they've got brains. They've got brains to think about the big issues and the big topics. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Tyler's face <laughs> and my face right now. Because my face is like, I'm about done talking about Days of Thunder. Are you? I'm just ramping up. <laughs> <laughs> 
because, yeah. But Rowdy, he's got some real issues. So he's fainting. He's got leaky blood in his brain. So he's probably not going to race again, right? That's not good. But that's when... <laughs> so this is actually your favorite stretch of the movie, though. Because before we, like... Because they're, they don't, they don't like each other. No, they're enemies. But the way they get over it is through two sequences. <laughs> two sequences. So they're leaving the hospital. <laughs> they're in both And as you know, when you've been to a hospital, you can't just walk out. You have to get wheeled out. Mm-hmm. So they're both getting wheeled out at the same time. Oh, of course. Next to each the other. the same hall, mm-hmm. right next to each other. So what are two egomaniac race car drivers going to do other than race their wheelchairs? They break away from their nurses, and mm-hmm. they're just, like, going apeshit crazy down the hallway. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. is a pretty good bit. And then they run into Nicole Kidman, who's somehow still attracted to Tom Cruise after this little hissy fit in the, in the wheelchair. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But then that's not enough, because then they've got to go and have a lecture by their be- because of their behavior on the racetrack by Fred Thompson, who uh, awkwardly... Uh, refers to some Japanese story and calls them Japs. Thanks a lot for that casual racism movie. And then yeah. um, they have to. He's his great solution is to have dinner. They have to have dinner together with me, and we're gonna meet. And you guys are gonna drive to the the restaurant together. And this is how you're gonna bond. You're gonna show us that you can be professionals, right? And so then what they do is my favorite part of this is that they uh, Rowdy drives. Tom Cruise, Cole, to a rental car outlet, right? And they get out of the car, and he's like, what are we going to do about this? You're not going to let me drive the car, and I'm not going to let you drive the car to dinner, so what are we going to do about this? Well, they just drove to the rental car place. They let Ra- Cole just let Rowdy drive. I was like, yeah. what's the problem? You've already you, done it. You, you could have made it to dinner. <laughs> like, well, In the stretch, you went to the rental like place. you had no problem with him driving you to dinner. Oh, my God. But no, they decided to rent the car so they could smash the shit out of each other on the road. And so what you learn about when you read about online is that all these little weird anecdotes about the movie – the race stuff, some of, like, that incident about the rental cars, the... It's all based off of, like, race car stories, like, mm-hmm. racer stories. Like, they've just kind of, like, taken anecdotes from various careers of car of race car drivers and just kind of thrown it into the movie. Yeah, and that was pretty fun. And that was one of them that was, like, a couple of racers. Like, that of was course they did that. Right. So, but you... I mean, it's just, like, this is, like, just... This whole movie is swinging dick, the movie. Oh, my God, But yeah. these two scenes in particular are just, like, we're swinging dicks at each other. My dick is bigger. No, my dick is bigger. But then they just... They walk into this dinner just tickled with each other. They just... I mean, if they... They probably fucked afterwards, probably. They're definitely making love. They were on to each other. They were just like, yep, that was sexy. They're like, you hot. No, <laughs> yeah. you hot. Yeah. You you were you Well, were they get there and me. they're like, they're one of them's like, too close to call. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they might have stopped. They might have stopped to, to, to bang before they even get into the restaurant. I think so. There's a lot of sexual tension They there. were really late, so. Yeah, they were real late. So that was, that's been resolved. He doesn't have a, a, an enemy anymore, except... Randy Quaid's hired another ri- uh, driver while Tom Cruise recovers. It's Carrie Elways. Who's a slime ball? Who's a slime ball? Who's very good at playing slime balls. Is so done a lot it. in his career. Does it in this movie without having, I think, more than five lines of dialogue in the whole movie. <laughs> He's in the last hour of the movie and yet barely speaks. He's just kind of this guy who's a dick face and he yeah. drives the car and he's like, I'll drive into a fucking tornado if I want to. Or that's something that happens later in his career. But anyway... <laughs> Twister, episode one. Two? One? Two. One. Might have been episode one. Wow. Full circle. Full Just circle. stop right there. No, um, so he's a dick. So that's our new adversary once Tom Cruise goes back, because uh, Rowdy can't drive anymore. So, what do we got? I mean, 
<laughs> oh yeah, this some more swinging dick. The movie, <laughs> my favorite scene in the movie is when Tom Cruise is back, but he's clearly has he's got post traumatic stress syndrome. He's afraid it's affecting his driving, right? And now he's they have two. Randy Quaid has two teams now. Carrie always has done good enough that he's got a team, and they have yeah. Suddenly, this magically this substitute driver who didn't have a team before, who couldn't be a real driver anywhere, is subbing as a driver now. Is so good. He's great. We he have gets to talk his own about sponsorship, yeah. his own team. So he's good, but they're fighting. So because uh, they should be kind of, I mean, they don't have to be like nice to each other on the road, but they shouldn't necessarily be huge adversaries, right? They shouldn't be hurting like you each could, other. You could beat each other, that's fine, but you shouldn't be, like, smashing into each other, right? Yeah. But Kira was being a dick to him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of poking out his, like, PTSD a little bit, right? So <laughs> he knocks him out of the race because uh, he's trying to pass him or whatever, and Kira always wins, right? But <laughs> Cold Trickle, swinging dick of all ages, he's like... Hey, put some new tires on my car real quick, John C. Riley. And they're like, what? We're done. We're done. It's over. It's over. He's doing the victory lap. He's like, lap. put the goddamn tires put on the, my car. Hey, put those tires on. He's like, all right, man. So then he goes out while Gary always is doing a victory lap by himself on that thing and goes out there and just fucking smashes into him. It's amazing. It is like, amazing. I think you would never be allowed to race again, I would get, I'm guessing, if he did that kind of behavior. But, oh, man, what a what a great move. <laughs> just like, fuck you. I'll ruin your okay. victory lap. <laughs> That scene made me think of a scene in Fried Green Tomatoes. Okay, where there's like this future episode. Future episode. Um, this ep- this uh, they're in a parking lot. And what's her name? Who's in it? The main lady. You know her. Oh my god, Shirley MacLaine. Oh my god, you're the worst. Sometimes, Tyler. Meryl Streep. Shut up. Anyway. The main lady. There's these teenagers in like a Ferrari or something that a convertible, I mean, right. and that steal her parking space. And so they're all like, "Ha ha, we're like younger and faster." And so she reverses her car a little bit, and then she just fucking smashes into them mm-hmm. like eight times in a row. And she's all like, "You might be younger and hotter, but I got more insurance." Anyway, that scene I thought of during this movie. It's the only scene you ever think of when you think of fried green tomatoes. You say that a lot. You always mention that movie. And you always mention that scene. Also, getting your legs stuck in a railroad track. And, right and yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about that when we watch that movie. Future episode. Um. Anyway, Fried Green Tomatoes came out the year after Days of Thunder. Oh, so there you go. But that movie's not swinging dick. The movie, not like this is. This is swinging dick. The movie. But I just love that. Like, there's just something so satisfying about the. I think there's times when you're a driver that mm-hmm. you fantasize about just taking your car and smashing the fuck out of someone who well, is that's just what Cole being a does smuggle. to carry always. Yeah. And they fight afterwards, and he so you know he gets fired. Robert Duvall and Coltrick will get fired, and Rowdy. This is kind of leading into our well, my other favorite, my real favorite scene in the movie. Um, Rowdy wants him to drive his car because he's going to lose his. So there's a weird thing where he is like his own team, like he own, Rowdy owns his own team or whatever, and he's going to lose his sponsorship and lose his money that he needs to build his house. Unless someone races his car and can finish well and keep the sponsor. So he's now that he's bu- kind of buds with Tom Cruise, he's like, you're going to race for me. Because I can't. I'm getting my br- blood sucked out of my brain. And even though I'm not saying it, you smashed me. So this is your fault. Right. So he, you know, agrees to do that. but And he's got to go get Robert Duvall. And we'll talk about that weird scene. But before that, he's he's still angry. Cole Trickle is scared and he's angry. <laughs> so in another act of road rage, there's a taxi behind him. He's got... Nicole Kidman in the car with him, 
And this taxi's being like honking at him, like, let's go, motherfucker. So he goes apeshit when he goes around him, and he chases after this taxi cab, right, with Nicole Kidman in the car. And it's the my favorite Nicole Kidman, who will win an Oscar later and, and have far better roles in her life. But my favorite Nicole Kidman performance, still to this date, is her yelling at Cole to let her out of the car, which is just in her Australian, I can't, it's like, let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car. Let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car. Let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car. The car. It's it's a the great. Car. Yeah, it's like car without an R. It's like it, car. It's fascinating. I, I never get tired of hearing it. I hear it in my brain. Just during holidays. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> We're all like, you and I are like hanging out. You're just like, let me out of the car, Cole. Yeah, it's in my brain. Let me out of the car. And I'm thinking, I get reflective on New Year's Eve. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to tuck that away for later. I get reflective. Later tonight. Oh, interesting. Oh, let me out of the car, Cole. <laughs> let me out of the car. <laughs> Might work. We'll see. Oh, uh, Lord. Yeah, no, so <laughs> it's, it's <clears throat> glorious. It's just something that is a great performance, right? <laughs> that's what I remember from it. I just remember that that line. You're all like, I'm six years old and I love this. So she won that Oscar for the hours, and you know she's a great actress and made had dozens of great parts. And I'm, every time I see her on screen, I'm just like, let me out of the cockle, let me out of the cockle. <laughs> you know, you're as good as your first notable performance, maybe always. I don't know, but I like it. I think she's I think she's good in the movie for a thankless role. So then we get, so he's got to convince Robert Duvall to, like, fix up the car and do this big race, right? And I don't know, I watched this, so, fun fact, I watched the movie, we we started the movie, we got about halfway through, you fell asleep, and you just like, well, finish it and I'll watch it the next day, right? Well, you didn't watch it during the rest of the day, so it turned out that I watched the second half of this movie two days in a row. Mm-hmm. And I had no problem with that, by the way, like, in terms of just, like... Watching it, I was like, "Yeah, it's super watchable. I can watch it again mm-hmm. in a day. It's fine." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, which I did. So, I've seen it twice now mm-hmm. in as many days. I have no idea what the conflict is between Cole Trickle and Robert Duvall. Harry, they go, they change positions mid sentence because they're like, "You're scared," but then he's like, "Well, no, you're scared." Or, this guy died when you were a thing. Well, he didn't die because of this. He died because of something else. But I should have never let him in there. So it is my fault. So then you're just like, well, was it your fault? Like, or was what it the not your fuck fault? are you talking about? Or why is he not there? And do you do you want Tom Cruise to race, or do you not want him to race, or do you not want to be there, or do you not want to be there? <laughs> I had no idea until they basically at the end were just like, are we doing this? <laughs> like, yeah, we're doing this. And they're suddenly really excited about it. Do you think they were like drunk before they filmed? That? I don't think they had this scene written when they started recording it. Like, that's what I'm it. saying. Like, were they drunk too? So they Someone was like... writing. They were just like, okay, well, we have that thing about that driver. And John C. Wright, is he going to be? No, we don't have him. Okay, we got to get it all in this scene. Mm-hmm. But like, what are they going to say? Well, I don't know what they're going to say. Like, mm-hmm. we got to get him to like build the car. But shouldn't there be a conflict? Does she not want to build the car? Well, I don't know. He likes to build cars. Yeah, that's totally how it went down. But then, it, <laughs> then he just builds the car, and you get a quick little montage. So then we get a scene right after that confusing as it is, where Robert Duvall is now talking to the car, is like, all right, old Bessie, I need you to take care of my friend Cole in the road. Yep. <laughs> and then it starts leaking or something like that. He's like, well, that's not the answer I wanted to hear. I was like, what the fuck is that leak? I say, I say, I don't, he didn't have that accent, but you know. So then they end up stealing one of, because Randy Quaid's mad at them, because he fired them, right? 
But they steal one of his engines somehow. They just got it laying around. I know, there's like some side comment about so that. So glossed over. Yeah. It's just like one offhand but remark. Then it's, then, then but Randy, Randy Quaid sees yes. that they're talking about it. He realizes that they did because it only sets up like a slight redemptive moment for Randy Quaid, who, by the way, had every right to fire him for oh, smashing 100%. into his other car. Hundred. He's not being a dick about that. He's not even a dick earlier, where he's just like Cole's not running very well and it's going badly, and they're like, well, so, well, geez, man, I know you like your new guy. He's like. No, I don't want to let him go. He's the one who got us here with this. So, no, I'm just telling you, like, we have to fix this because he's going to lose his sponsorship. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So, like, the whole attempt to make him a dick is not great, except Mm -mm. for that it is Randy Quaid. And you're just like, well, that guy's a dick. That guy's a dick. So then we're in the race. Shitter's full. Nicole Kimmon (laughs) either wants to be at the race or doesn't want to be at the race, but then she's at the race. That's a whole thing. In a whole white suit, too. (laughs) Very white. A three-piece white suit. <laughs> it's 1990. That's a good thing to wear to a race That's track. That's like a Miami Vice. Like, that's like, right? Like, Miami Vice kind of like uh, white suit. Know. So then we have this race where, okay, and so this is where my knowledge of racing is not great. <laughs> Despite, as a kid, loving racing. And I have an anecdote on this because this is how much has changed in my life. For someone who... As a six-year-old, need to go see this movie right away and probably annoyed the shit out of his parents to make sure they could go to the PG-13 movie. I have now turned into a person where, when I was in high school, I was with my family, and we were in Florida for, like, spring break. We were doing, I think, Disneyland or Disney World, right? And there was a person at our hotel who was walking around, and he's like, hey, we're leaving town. I was with my dad. We were leaving town. We have to leave abruptly. I have tickets to the Daytona 500, which is the race, the big race at the end of this movie and is a big race in general for NASCAR. I have tickets to the uh, NASCAR, you know, the, you know, Daytona 500. They're, look, you can just have them. We, we have to go. I want them. We just can't use them. Do you want them? And my dad and I, I was like, we said, okay, hold on. Let's go talk to, he wanted to talk to my mom. But I don't think we even ever talked to my mom. My dad and I were just like, well, that's, pretty, they took, that's like the Super Bowl of race car driving, right? Like, that's something, right? And we're like, yeah, yeah. But I was just like, but, like, I don't want to go. <laughs> like, do you want to go? He's like, no. <laughs> so oh we, we just gave up. We was like, nah, go find someone else. We don't need these tickets, right? So that's how much I don't know about racing. But what happens But you used in, to love it so much, Tyler. I was a, as a six-year-old who would just race my little cars in my my room. Sure. Little Hot Wheels. My little cars, I'd put them in a circle. I'd even do, like, the circular race, right? <clears throat> I don't understand racing in that uh, there's se- there's a couple situations in this movie where Tom Cruise is in like last place and is somehow able to get from like last place and pass like 25 cars and to get into first place in the span of like a minute. And I don't know how that's possible because aren't those other racers also trying to win the race or are they just kind of there to be the middle cars? I don't know. Like, why is he better? Is his car better? I thought they're all kind of the same. I don't know. I don't know how he's getting there. I kind of get how he beats Carrie always because there's a little bit of a... They're doing a thing, right? They have to, like, pick how they try to pass each other, and that takes skill. And you have to draft on them, and you get to get a little momentum by drafting on somebody. And I understand that because that was explained to me with Sweet and Low on Nicole Kidman's thigh. So that part I get. But how did he get around all those other people in a span of a... Because he gets knocked out in the race, and he's, he's got to get get changed in the... He has to do a pit stop, kind of like in cars, mm-hmm. when pit stop gets Lightning McQueen at pit stop really fast and goes mm-hmm. pit stop. He has to get around before the pace car, which conveniently comes out. There's a pace car that comes out so he can get around and get on the lead uh, lap one more time, right? That's the other thing about racing in movies, right? 
in cars, in any racing movie, what's great about racing movies is that it's exciting because they only show you about five minutes of the race. Yeah. When when you go and you watch one on and TV, five hundred laps. They're doing five hundred laps and they're just going in a circle, and then they might wreck once, but that's it. Like it's not anything. But on a movie, it's super thrilling. So he passes everybody. I don't know how. But then we get this great moment. I explained moment. this to you when we were watching Okay, it. tell it to me. Well, what, I, would, I don't want to say it because what if I'm wrong and I sound like a dick. So. Angela explains it all. Angela explains it all. What is that? It's a segment that we do. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Just do it. Tell me how he does all these passes. Okay, so they got a caution flag. Yeah. So then everyone has to slow down and get behind the pace car. Conveniently. So then everyone is within, I don't know, an eighth of a mile stretch. They're in like a chunk of space all together, going the same speed, kind of slowly around the track. Okay. So basically, if he can get his car fixed and get in front of the pace car, they're still chugging along at the speed. But he, he has can, to go all the way around. He has to go all the way around, but he's got no one around he's him He's on the lead lap that. still. Yeah, so he was one lap behind. Mm-hmm. So now he catches that full lap up. And then when that pace car pulls off, they're all going, and I'm not a race car person, but let's say they're all going 50. Mm-hmm. But when he rolls up and that pace car rolls out, he's going 90 already. Okay. So they're going 50 to 60 to 70, and he's already going 90 to 100, 120. So he can like just, 200 miles an hour in these So races. he can just fucking fly past them because okay. they're still accelerating. Okay. So there you go. And then he's able to pass through them. Na, 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 na. na. You explained it all to me. Um, I mean, that is just what I've learned from watching Cars. Okay. <laughs> Again, thank you, Pixar, for solving these problems several years later for us to understand Days of Thunder. And also from watching this movie. Like, were you watching it? I watched this part twice. <laughs> so I guess I don't understand your confusion. They so, show you how he does it. What we get is some real... Now, if you thought that some of the dialogue in this movie was corny, wait until you get at the end here, where Carrie mm-hmm. always is like, he's going to try to pass me. It's on the last lap. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo... He's like... he. Oh, if, like they First of all, they have this dumb like pointing thing at each other, where they like point at each other as if they can see each other pointing at each other. They have these huge helmets. There's there's netting everywhere in they this fucking thing. They can't see shit. They can barely see out their front window. Oh, and then that, there's a callback earlier when there's a, is a wreck, and he has to drive through the smoke, and he has to... This is where he finally gets his faith back in like his... He feels the... He gets over his PTSD, because he's able to drive through and keep his foot on the gas and make it through. Mm-hmm, so he's able to kind of let that part of his life go, mm-hmm. right? So that's been done. Very moving, yeah. <laughs> it happens in like five seconds. <laughs> um, so then he, like, so they do the dumb pointing thing, and then Carrie was like, he's gonna pass me on the left. I know, Cole. He always goes high. Or he always goes high. He's gonna pass me up. He's gonna ca- pass me up top. And this is like his high. fifth... He always his, goes high. His fifth line of the movie, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then instead, what does he do? Before he does it, he goes... Tom Cruise, Cole Trickle's like, this one's for you, Harry! <laughs> And, and he, he goes him with a crossover, and overtaking he goes, him from the inside. 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 He goes low, not he high. Low. Goes low. Yep. Passes, and then what we get is a shot that is kind of the shot of him crossing the finish line. But if you read the more fun facts about the movie, they actually forgot to get the shot during principal <laughs> photography, and like very last minute before the movie came out, they had to get something to show him going over this, and it's not a great shot. You can barely like, oh, I guess he, I guess he won, and he wins, and. Nicole Kidman, who's conveniently wearing that all-white suit. Goes and kisses his greasy, black-ass face. (laughs) So she's just covered in dirt. 
Oh my god. Robert Duvall is just speechless on the side, like, oh boy, I can't believe I say, I say, we got, we won this race. He's become Foghorn Leghorn <laughs> in my mind. And they, yeah, he wins the, wins the race. Oh, but the final shot of the movie. <laughs> Is, uh, it's so Cole walks because, up to hit Harry. And this is the final shot because it's PG-13 and they can't physically hang dong at the end of this movie. They can't swing their dicks together because so, that's not allowed in this Harry's movie. Harry's sitting alone. Right. But Harry is lost for words. Cole asks Harry to walk with him and Harry agrees, challenging him to a foot race to the victory lane. Because they did that earlier. So then they race via foot and then it's... Freeze frame. Freeze frame. With their dumbass faces. And then fun fact, on the R-rated director's cut, they they pull their dicks out. They're just like, They're like I got a big dick. dick. I got a Southern Confederate dick and I got a California dick. <laughs> and we're just like dick I friends. got Yankee dick and I got Southern <laughs> We're dick. swinging dick men and we do like cars and being dickheads to women. <laughs> And what's the what's the first douchey racer's name? Rowdy Piper. No, Rowdy. Rowdy. Rowdy's all. I'd be back racing if I didn't have a lady doctor. <laughs> yeah, Remember that? Really, yeah. He's like, I. You know that I would be racing right now if I didn't have some lady doctor. If I didn't have some lady doctor. I tried to swing my dick at her, and she was just like, no. <laughs> I dropped my dong. She's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Oh my god. Stupid feminist doctors. Goddamn lady doctors. <laughs> so, uh. A couple fun facts about the movie. Okay. Quentin Tarantino has on re- is on record as saying this is his favorite racing movie. Well. In the history of racing movies. And obviously. he's seen all of them. He's like, he loves the cheesiness of it. He thinks it's great. Uh, they've asked several racers about the movie, about its realism, and they're just like, <laughs> like, no, it's not, it's nothing. None of this is like, no, none of this is, they didn't, apparently they didn't do much research other than like the anecdotal stories about the race car, racers, uh, the mechanics and the... The, the way in which people, this is going back to my thought, was that it sounds like the racers are saying that like some of the maneuvers and some of the things that you do to win races maybe not be may not be accurate in the movie. I bet they're just like defensive of the, all the dick swagger and they don't want to admit that this movie is spot on. They, they're pretty proud of their dick swagger, though. Are they? They're like, oh man, I don't know. I wish I, I was like... How come Tom Cruise got to swing his dick around? I mean, movie? I guess them I'll saying drop my that dong this movie, right here. them saying this movie's totally inaccurate, is just another form of their dick swagger, right? Like that's not how you drive a car. You drive a car like this. I'll show you. you show me go, a car. I'll show you how to live. <laughs> that's like a Fast and Furious thing. <laughs> you don't go high. You don't go low. You drive expert drivers. We we drive. You know what? I drive my car. I have my dick out on the steering okay, wheel. <laughs> I think we gotta stop. Any other final words of uh, Days of Thunder? It is the most. I I felt like I grew more hair on my chest watching it uh, this time. Um, I think it's a, it's a what, hairy chest movie. You want to know what Roger Ebert thought? I do want to know. Well, what welcome Roger. to our segment. What did Roger say? say? This is where we talk about Roger Ebert mm-hmm. and his take on the movie that we watched. So, Tyler, out of four stars, how many did he give it? Two and a half. Three stars. (laughs) He gave it a big old three star. He says it's an entertaining example of what we might as well call the Tom Cruise picture. Mm. Oh, that's right. Oh, good. I'm glad you have Since it assembles most of the same elements that worked in Top Gun, The Color of Money, which I have not seen. Good. That's a great movie. And Cocktail. Paul Newman. Uh, Which I'm not sure I saw either. Color of Money is great. And runs them through the formula once again. 
Um, parts of the plot are beginning to wear out their welcome, but the key ingredients are still effective. And then Roger Ebert goes through all the and key I've, elements. I've seen this. This is the Tom Cruise picture elements, and this is very spot on. This is this explains most of the first ten years of Tom Cruise's career. So I'm going to briefly go through them Great. without reading all of it. They Love include it. number one, the Cruise character, invariably a young and naive but naturally talented kid who could be the best if ever he could tame his rambunctious spirit. Dick Swinger. Dick Swinger, asshole. You were saying he likes to play dicks. Hot shot. Hot shot dickhead. Then we have number two, the mentor. An older man who's done it himself and has been there before. Yep. Three, the the superior woman. Usually older, taller, and more mature than him. Well, they're always taller. (laughs) (laughs) They're always taller. (laughs) Number four. He's not tall. The craft, which the gifted young man must master. Mm -hmm. Uh, Five, the arena in which the young man is tested. (laughs) <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Six, the arcana, consisting of a specialized knowledge and lore that the movie knows all about and we get to learn. Right. Let's top, I mean, top Gun is all that, right? I mean, it's just like getting in the world. The trail, a journey to visit the principal places where the masters of the craft test one another. I mean, this is, this could be, this, this would explain a lot of movies, but especially this era of Tom Cruise. The proto enemy, the bad guy in the opening, real, in the opening reels in the movie who provides the hero with an opponent to practice on. Mm hmm. At first, they dislike each other, but eventually, through a baptism Val of Kilmer. fire, they learn to love one another. Al Kilmer in, in Top Gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> Number nine, the eventual enemy, a real bad guy who turns up in the closing reels to provide the hero with a test of his skill. Goddamn Wesley. There you go. That's it. it. I love it. It's true, though. I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, so is it derivative of Top Gun? Of course it is. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> and that, what's amazing to me is, like... They are now making a Top Gun sequel. Mm-hmm. Tony Scott is, I mean, yeah. But what's funny is, like, well, they already made the sequel. It's called Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Days of Thunder. It's just different. More dick swinging. And yeah, less, so there uh, you go. That's what Roger thinks. Days of Thunder. Uh, a, a childhood classic that does not, uh, no longer a favorite, but oh my god. I just, I feel like I've, I feel like more of a man every time I watch it. It's like, god damn. Well, you're more of something after watching this. I, I feel like I need to get a beer. And just, like, shout at you belligerently. And I just need to say... You belong in the kitchen. Let me out of the car, Cole. Let me out of the car. <laughs> Hush up. You don't know how I live. You know right, what guys. I do. Thanks so much for listening. I drive to control the uncontrollable. This is Old Millennials Remember Movies. You have listened to this whole podcast. I don't know why. You're a neurosurgeon. What do you know about anything, woman? Those lady doctors. Lady doctors don't know anything. <laughs> Also, if we've offended anyone today, I uh, sincerely apologize. We mean hey, no harm. Hey, lady doctor, you want to see my dick? <laughs> uh, if uh, if uh, you're anybody who who doesn't appreciate lots of dick talk, again, why are you still listening? I'm going to hang dong right on this uh, medical table. <laughs> All right. And I'm going to talk at you another dick. I mean another movie. Jeez, so much dick talk. What's your problem? <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Dicks. Dicks. <laughs> Dogs.